Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm your host, Rob Kent. As you know, I'm the author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, which is available now as an audiobook, a paperback, and the ebook is free. Yes, free to download whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. Don't worry about me. I'll get your money when you come back for Banneker Bones and the Alligator People and Banneker Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracy, also available wherever fine books are sold. Under the super secret pen name Robert Kent, I've written some novels for older readers, such as my young adult title, All Together Now, a zombie story, and all kinds of other wonderful things. For more information about that, plus more importantly, for interviews with thousands of authors, literary agents, editors, publicists, book people, the world's best people, head to middlegradeninja.com. And by God, we've got to get started. There's three of us today. We, we don't have time for all these uh, long intros. Uh, my guests are the uh, author and illustrator of Lumber Jacula. We'll be talking with Matt Haggerty and Sam Owen. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having us, man. We're excited to talk. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, esteemed audience knows that I will never force you to sit through me summarizing your biography or your book because I'll get both wrong and it will just be awkward for all of us. Uh, so, Matt, since your name is first on here, I'm going to start with you. If you would give esteemed audience an overview of your background and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, so, I've lived all over the U.S. at this point now. Um, I'm currently in Boise, Idaho, uh, and I'm loving it. Um, but my first book that kind of was a little bigger came out on a publisher called Oni Press. It's called Unplugged and Unpopular. It's a middle grade book that I made with Tintin Bentoa. Um, I also did a book called Martian Ghost Centaur. That's with uh, Steph Mitted, also for a publisher called Oni Press. Um, I, when I was growing up, I did really bad in school. I'm dyslexic and just really struggled with uh, reading in general, um, but somehow found comics and I love them. And then I'm really excited about Lumberjack, yo. Hi, <laughs> uh, and Sam, what's your, uh, what's your overview of your background? Um, so yeah, my background is uh, I grew up reading comics uh, as a kid, um, but at some point, uh, or I also, I, I read and I drew comics and cartoons all through middle and high school. Um, but uh, at some point, um, when I was thinking about, you know, where I wanted to go to school for college, I had kind of like, uh, didn't really consider art as a career path until after I had graduated and really started seriously pursuing um, illustration and, and comics um, within the last five years or so. Um, and that's when I started, you know, sharing my art online and uh, met Matt through, you know, uh, mutual followers, uh, people in, in the comic sphere. Um, so Lumberjackula is kind of my first um, big comics project. What uh, changed for you that you went from being a fan of comics to thinking, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could do this? Um, yeah, like, like I said, I grew up really enjoying comics and I had friends where we'd collaborate on ideas for comics and we draw our own stuff on like lined notebook paper. Um, but the professional side of it never really drew me. Like I was never really interested in pursuing like an art degree or, you know, trying to professionalize it in any way. Um, so I kind of went the other direction and did the writing side. Like I majored in English and then I got a master's degree in professional writing. Um, and then after that, like uh, considering my background in cartoons, like on the, on the more hobby side of it, and then thinking about how like I have some experience with writing and I have a degree in writing, why not just combine the two and, you know, pursue comics, which, you know, combine writing and, and illustration in lots of interesting ways. Um, so I'm really interested in, figuring out how to uh, merge those two interests, those two uh, skills that I have. Gotcha. And uh, as you continue to write books, come back and we'll... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd, love, I'd love to, yeah. Uh, and Matt, are you... Were you... What, when did you decide comic book writing is the, the path that was uh, best for you? 
or have you decided that? <laughs> <laughs> I've decided it for sure. That's, that's definitely what I want to be doing. Um, I used to play in, I used to always make comics, uh, same as Sam. I had buddies that I was making comics with. I was drawing a lot too. I love drawing, but I am no Sam. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I was always making them. And then around like high school, well, middle school, I found a guitar. I was like, ah, I'm going to do this. Like, this is definitely my new creative outlet. And I was in uh, punk and hardcore bands and I treated it really seriously. Like we, we would go on tours and we, we were really like, that was my thing. During that time, I was like making zines and like doing things that were comic adjacent. And I always, I literally said like, oh, I can make comics when I'm old, but like there isn't old people who, who like really are in bands, who really get bands going. And then I hit a point where I was like in band after band where I was, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it anymore. It wasn't the same. Like I kind of had a, a magical group that I played with when I was in high school that were my good friends. And we really, uh, on it, one of them went on to be a very successful musician. Um, and the other one is still an incredible musician, but there was something special there in this collaboration that I loved um, that I wasn't getting in these other bands. It wasn't the same thing. Um, so I just kind of took a step back from it and really started focusing on comics. And then it was about like maybe 10 years before I had anything published. It was a bit, it was a bit of time to, to really get um, the ball going. As I think you hear more often than not from people that are just writing in comics, there's a, there's a long crawl up to get to where people are willing to read your work. Cause it's like, Hey, read my, read my script that has no um, pictures. This is not the finished product. So it takes a little bit of time to, to get that people willing to read it. And thankfully now people sometimes read it. <laughs> well, for 10 years, were you getting, I mean, somebody must've read it somewhere and then there and said, Hey, Matt, this is pretty good. Um, I mean, I assume at least before they agreed to publish Lumber Jacula, somebody said, yeah, you're, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a weird, a weird, like, early six so kickstarter when kickstarter first started my brother told me about it and i was maybe one of the first comics on kickstarter maybe there was like two before and i got uh this uh self-published uh i was gonna do a 12 issue miniseries like this huge thing and i i realized i wasn't ready yet but i got it funded like really quickly without any fan base because of the novelty of it and oh there's a comic on here and people just just funded it uh without me really having any, like I hadn't started or built up anything. Um, so I had that, I did have, a, I published with a, with a small press um, that's notoriously now very not loved in comics. <laughs> um, and I, I had done some stuff with them, but then there was a, Oni Press uh, had this thing, an open submission, pretty much a, like a contest, at, I guess, because they normally would not, uh, take in pitches from unaged people and during that I got in and I, I would consider that my like my first little break through that door but during that time you know I'm making comics I'm I'm still doing it but I'm also bartending and and you know that, that was my that was my thing <laughs> and uh, you're an artist as well then yeah yeah I'd like to think so I mean I love to I love to draw. I'm certainly like my sequential skills are nowhere near Sam's. My big dream one day is to do like a heav heavily illustrated uh, middle grade prose book when I have uh, the time. But I think a, a comic, the length of Lumberjackula, I just, I don't think I'd be able to handle it. I don't think people would want to read it. <laughs> yeah, that, well, wondering uh, as, uh, as you guys are, are talking, and I'm, I'm learning that you have a little bit of overlap in skills. Um, that maybe next time Sam writes the book and you draw it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might be great if Sam if Sam writes it, it will not be great if I draw it. <laughs> you can switch back and forth and, no, and only the, the really detail uh, obsessed people will be able to tell who's drawing which panels. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, an artist friend who likes to watch the hand-drawn uh, Disney films and, and tell me when they're switching animators. Like, oh, this is a slightly different person. Like, you can tell, really. All right. <laughs> this looks like the Lion King still to me, but okay. <laughs> so um, how do you guys, how, you said, Sam, that you guys met online. How do you come into contact with Matt and how do you decide that you're going to work uh, on a book together? Um, yeah, so at that point, uh, around the time that Matt and I connected online, 
I was still kind of figuring out how to, you know, market myself. What I, what do I want to do in art? Like there was a period where I wasn't sure if I wanted to like get into animation or character design or just illustration in general. So I was trying to like figure out how to like narrow down my uh, portfolio. And since I wasn't like um, going through art school and figuring out how to do all that, I was kind of doing it on the fly. Um, but there were always like open calls for like writers looking for, for artists. So I would be sharing whatever stuff I had already. Like I, at that point I had already kind of drawn like a short um, silent comic about a superpower turtle, kind of like um, a little bit uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles inspired, I guess. Um, so I had a little bit to share already. So I would reply to people who were asking for artists. And I think Matt came across one of my replies uh, to one of those threads at some point, And he just messaged me and asked if I would be interested in um, participating in uh, Pitmad, which is which was I think it's now defunct, but uh, it was sort of a biannual event where you share like a couple sentence long um, pitch basically on Twitter, and editors and agents would express their interest via like a, a fave or a reply, and that's how we would get in contact with various editors and agents. Um, who participated in the event. And that's how we eventually met our agent, uh, Maria, uh, is it Vicente or? Vicente, yeah. Vicente, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I'm just like, everything I read online, like I've never had the opportunity to like pronounce everyone's name. So I'm still <laughs> getting used to the pronunciation, but yeah, that's how we got in contact with her. And then from there, it, it was just sort of like a um, one thing after another where she helped us send out the pitch, uh, figure out like how to structure it. And, um, you know, I, I, me and Matt worked together on coming up with the character designs and the pitch pages that we would send. Um, and it was all a learning process for me since that was sort of my first experience, not only with uh, pitching for like the publishing industry, but like specifically comic publishing. So I was sort of like learning and figuring out comics and, and publishing at the same time. Um, and I think I, at that point, I was mature enough to sort of handle the process and, you know, having someone like my, my partner, my wife, who had a steady job at the time was really uh, a blessing for, for us. So I had time to work part-time rather than a full-time job on top of, you know, taking care of a, a small child. Um, so it really all worked out really well uh, on, on my end uh, at, that, at that stage in my life to, to figure that all out. I will raise my cup of coffee to that. Here's to the hardworking spouses with yeah. jobs yeah. and health benefits of the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Not> possible. <laughs> yeah, I definitely couldn't do that without without that support. So hopefully it will, I'm able to pay it back someday with, with lots of uh, royalties and sequels and stuff like that. So if you enjoy the show, esteemed audience, always remember none of this happens without Mrs. Kent and her blessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So it's uh, literary agent Marie. I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name, <laughs> uh, but Marie gets you guys together. She says, oh, okay, there's a bit of peanut butter here. There's a bit of chocolate here. Let's get these together and make this beautiful combination. Are you guys already in contact and thinking you should work together prior to that, Matt? Oh, I had already contacted, yeah. um, Sam, and I had started up a pitch. I actually, uh, Pitmad was not ever in the um, in my mind when we first started because I hadn't yeah. heard of it. Um, so the initial idea was we were getting together these like, you know, five pages of art, these short pitch packages that I would have sent to Oni Press, um, Image, yeah. all sorts of other like independent places was my thought. But then I had a friend uh, say, hey, this thing Pitmad's happening. And then, like, maybe the last, like, hour of the day, uh, two hours, I was like, hey, Sam, we should, what do you think? We should do this. And then I put it on, and it was, it was pretty fast, I'd say. Um, I think there was, there was four agents who requested 
the manuscript, which you just do a little um, heart to request. And I had phone calls with three of them. And Mar Maria was, I, I thought, really the right um, person out of all of that. And then we kind of shifted our plan and we we're like, okay, I guess we can go towards these traditional publishers. Let's see kind of how it goes. Um, and we got together stuff. It changed so much. The story changed a bunch through notes as I feel like that happens a lot, but I think it really happens a lot with comics because a lot of comics, at least then you were going in with a synopsis, some sample script, a, an overview and some art pages. You're not going in with a, even close to a full manuscript. You're, you're going in with like, I think Lumberjackula, there was five pages of script I had written um, and a synopsis. So it's, it's easy to change. Like it's, it's much easier to change than saying, uh, you know, a novel that has is completed and you're saying, okay, rewrite this other half at this point. It's like, all right, rewrite this other, the, the end of your synopsis isn't strong. I think you should change it this way. And then, you know, you listen, you hear if you like it or not and go forward with that. But um, obviously editors always have different ideas. Like some people were like, I hate that Lumberjackula has a beard. I can't have a beard. That's so silly. And then the latter, I love that this kid has a beard. This is awesome. So you really realize like it's so subjective and you can't get bogged down by what people say most of the time, unless it's a yeah. reoccurring theme that's like, they're all saying, hey, you can't have Jack using his ax on this kid at one point, you know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was that was the real. Panel that we can maybe find in a special feature one day. <laughs> a horror, horror movie version like that Winnie the Pooh horror movie that's coming out. <laughs> yeah that was kind of a, a learning process for me because of my background in writing I was used to to doing things like um like a workshop almost where people would give feedback and you'd have to kind of decide which which was good feedback and constructive feedback and which was the kind of feedback you could disregard um, so I'd have to kind of figure out even in the drawing process when I would get notes back on my art, like which, which thing uh, can I disregard and which thing, like, like Matt was saying, like, is this something that just isn't going to fit for a middle grade audience, like, like weapons and things like that. Like I'd have to kind of figure out um, which things to like stick to my, uh, stick to my guns on. Yeah, God forbid a child read a comic book uh, with a weapon in it before they go play their uh, Assassin's Creed video <laughs> game or whatever they do. I love the idea that there's an editor who says, okay, this child's a vampire, uh huh, can hypnotize people, sure. Um, but beard, that's not real. <laughs> we should call that the beard. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive into Lumberjackula a little bit. And Matt, I'm going to, true to my word, I will not force you to listen to me summarizing your book. Um, so what does esteemed audience need to know about Lumberjackula that they could be purchasing as they're, as they're hearing us? Yeah. Um, so Lumberjackula is about Jack. He's a half vampire, half lumberjack kid who can't decide which of his parents' middle schools he wants to attend. Um, his parents are really supportive uh, and loving, but he still feels this pressure that whichever one he chooses, he'll be letting down uh, the other side of the family. But it becomes even more complicated when he realizes he doesn't want to go to either school. Um, he wants to instead go to a dance academy. Um, and dance has always been like a really big part of his life, but he's kept it secret because he doesn't feel like it's like vampire tough or vampire spooky or like lumberjack tough he feels like it's kind of not uh something that he can share but so it's a story about him realizing how to be his true self um it's colorful it's uh it's very hopefully funny i hope and <laughs> sam draws some really <laughs> sam draws uh really really awesome dance scenes in it well, I don't think I'm the exact target audience, but I laughed quite a bit. <laughs> it's very funny. That, that seems very, very presumptuous. But <laughs> uh, Sam, what, uh, anything else we need to know about Lumberjackula? Anything that um, could be, uh, what, what's the word, could be artistically touched up about Matt's <laughs> original presentation of the book? Um, yeah, like Matt said, it's, it's a very fun, colorful book. Um, on in each section of the book, there's like a dance breakdown 
where Jack is dancing out his feelings. Um, so there's a lot of like expressive stuff going on with the book. Um, and I think it really plays to my strength as an artist. Like I didn't even realize at the time, like what my thing would be, but I think I really like to have fun with drawing. Um, and hopefully that comes through with the art and the book that um, it's, it's just very fun and hopeful and um, at no point are Jack's parents not trying to be supportive? And I think I really like that about the script and about the story, um, that it wasn't sort of like, um, I don't know. Um, I, I just like the, the dynamic of Jack's family and how it plays out in a very supportive, loving way. Even if sometimes things get misunderstood or miscommunicated, they're always there to support him and back him up. Um, and I tried to carry that through in my art. Um, so. And one thing I, that occurred to me as I was uh, enjoying the, the story is that there are several uh, full page panels of, of uh, Lumberjackula Jack dancing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if it were me, because I'm just lazy and I will copy and paste sentences and then rewrite them slightly if I think they're close enough because yeah. Some reason that strikes me as easier than uh, writing a new sentence. Um, if it were me, I would just be like, okay, well, every time he dances, I drew one. Let's do that again. But by God, no, he is doing different dance moves uh, for what? There's like six or seven different uh, Jack's uh, images yeah. of Jack dancing. And how many uh, pages of that are there like that? There's like five or six by the time we're done, I think. Yeah, there's, there's about that many uh, per chapter um, where, yeah, yeah, like you said, it's just like a full page. There's no panels. It's it's like nine steps of like a dance that that um, basically like it, it, the, the kid who's reading it could kind of do that themselves almost. It's like a here's how you would do the dance uh, sort of uh, breakdown. And I did try to... There were some, uh, and, and even when, when I was figuring out how to draw it, Matt actually shared his own versions of the dance in the script that I would sort of base uh, what Jack was doing on. So that was a really big help. I don't think I'm going to get that from any other writers, um, you know, art in, in the script. So that, that was really helpful for me when I was figuring out how to draw the dances. Um, but I did, I was able to copy and paste a little bit but I did try to avoid just making it look, you know, just cookie cutter when I was, when I was drawing it. Um, so the, yeah, there's like uh, halfway through the dance, he would just do sort of like the, the mirrored version of a move he did earlier. So I would copy the earlier drawing and then just flip it and then change some of the, the orientation, like left, right orientation. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was one of the more fun parts of drawing the book was was drawing him dancing. I did not notice that, and if you hadn't confessed, I never would have. Had <laughs> you did, I like to be transparent. Yeah, <laughs> about about my own instinct to to copy. And no, yeah, I think oh, you. If yeah. if Sam does it just a little bit, then it's 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 okay that I do it. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So are there videos somewhere of, of Matt doing the, the dances? I want to put together a <laughs> of, of images of Jack uh, doing things with his axe he shouldn't be doing in the book and then uh, <laughs> couple that with videos of Matt dancing, just the secret files from Lumberjack. <laughs> I was fully, fully dancing, trying to figure out, and I had written, I wrote these like songs for all of them, like lyrics for like, uh, before each one, there's like a, you know, a style, it says a style of music and then has some lyrics um, that also are like, that's how we're seeing a lot of his feelings is through this, this narration of these songs, these songs he's choosing and everything. Um, but I'm like mouthing the songs and I am, <laughs> I, I am without rhythm, without <laughs> any dance. We had discussed, uh, there's going to be a release party for the book, uh, some stuff. And we had discussed uh, having a dance party at, at it. And I was like, that sounds great. I can't lead it. I don't no. think I'm, I don't think I'm the guy to do it. It would be everyone would just be so embarrassed for me. They'd be just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's one of the things I thought was kind of funny. Is like I'm not a dancer either. Like I'm not someone who gets up and, and embarrasses himself in front of people. But um, I thought it was kind of fun. Like in a way, it was like getting me out of my comfort zone. Is drawing like music and dance is not something that I was used to doing at that time. So I, I felt like 
I was getting a chance to to expand my horizons a little bit with that sort of with that with the art in the in Lumberjackula. And it's a story that uh, certainly resonated with me, and I think will resonate uh, with 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 whoever reads the book. I mean, theoretically, it's targeted toward young people, but I'm assuming. Uh, do you guys have an ideal reader in mind for who, who this was best suited for? Yeah, I mean, for for me, I I think broad, broadly, um, an early middle grade audience. I don't have like a like a specific person. I mean, there is definitely Jack being having something that is kind of secret that he's afraid his family won't necessarily embrace. I understand that there's definitely some like LGBTQ plus uh, themes in there without there actually being some. So I hope some kids that are uh, young and queer find it because I feel like it's really about like he has something that he's not sure he wants to share with his family. He's kind of keeping aside and then um, even though his family's supportive and then at the end they support him because as we all should. <laughs> right. Well, I wondered with you guys both being writers and artists and musicians and having all of these different talents, did you uh, have a feeling at some point that you had to choose and pick just the one thing that you, you want it to be, Sam? That, that's, I didn't even uh, realize that connection. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I was never really sure what, what I wanted to be. I always thought I had to sort of like fall back on, on like a safe choice or the choice that was sort of expected. Like I grew up in a pretty conservative family uh, growing up. My dad was like a pastor of like an evangelical church. And part of growing up, there was that sort of unspoken expectation that you have to, you know, grow up and follow that that path somehow like either grow up to be a pastor or do something in the church or whatever and at some point I kind of like no that's not really what I want to do and um and in some ways like going through college majoring in English and then doing professional writing was sort of a compromise where you know art may not be like the safe choice um you know English have, having an English degree isn't necessarily a safe choice either but there was a way forward where, you know, I could at least teach um, freshman and sophomore composition classes. And that's what I do part-time now is teach at the college level. Like I teach writing, um, basically just like essay writing and stuff like that. Um, but now that I, that I have support from my spouse and from, uh, from my in-laws, they're all very supportive and very excited about the book coming out. And I think now I think I, I found like a good spot to be in, um, you know, getting to draw comics for, for kids and uh, maybe hopefully, you know, creating my own uh, writer, uh, written, illustrated comic myself at some point. That's something I'd love to do as well. Um, so I think I finally figured out that, that, that sweet spot for me personally. Uh, and Matt, same question to you. Did you feel pressure to choose between your many talents? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about talents, but uh, yeah, I was no pressure ever. Um, my parents were always like, whatever direction you're going, whatever you're interested in, they they steered me towards and encouraged. They both like were really encouraging of both me and my brother with art when we were younger. Um, yeah, they at every point they've been like, just just go for it, and I I try to do the same. Uh, for my kids too. I mean, I think that there's like, one of the things that happens in Lumberjackula is like the excitement of the parents um, that ends up putting this pressure on Jack. And I, I try and combat that in, in my life. Cause I know like if my daughter shows interest in like recently, she's like, likes drawing manga. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm like getting every, everything to get her into it. And like, I realize I am putting a pressure on her still you know by by i my level of excitement and how much i'm embracing it and i should embrace everything you know like embrace whatever her interests are that's just something i'm thinking about a lot recently <laughs> yeah that's that's something i think about too with um my kid's a little younger he's five and then we have another who just turned one um so i'm always thinking about um 
letting them follow the things that are exciting to them uh, and not trying to pressure them. Like I'm not going to try to pressure my kid into drawing comics or whatever, or um, specific things. Like I'm not huge into sports, but this year, the past couple of years, he's been doing like T-ball and stuff. And I try to like be encouraging for that, even though that's not necessarily my wheelhouse or whatever. Like I don't know a lot about it, but I try to be supportive and encouraging when he does well and he seems like he's enjoying it and not just like, you know, like, like Matt was saying, I try to like um, be mindful of my reaction to the things that my kids are doing, I guess hopefully in, in a constructive way. Well, I just feel it's like worst case scenario, I'll sit in the bleachers with the book and look up when you're at play, like, oh, good job. <laughs> All yeah. right, well, good look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about the process for putting this together. But first, I have to call out my favorite dad joke. I just howled laughing. Uh, one of the, the vampires has a band, and he's Scott Dracula with Quantum uh, Creep, which that's my maybe my favorite joke <laughs> in the book this year. <laughs> so congratulations to both of you, however that, that came to be. There's a lot of great uh, puns and dad jokes uh, within. There's a character, is it Mr. Mr. Punsley, Mr. Punster, what's his name? Oh, Punston. Punston, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys swap back and forth dad jokes until you had enough in there that, that kept both of you. I'm assuming you, you're both on board with these with these dad jokes. <laughs> I think that was all Matt was all the puns that are written out. Yeah, I, I, I will say that one thing about like working with like a a um like traditional publisher, I do feel like we were kept apart a little different in stages yeah. than I yeah. have been at other. Uh, books not not that I mean I tend to like to just go off of my corner and write um but but I I do feel like there was a, there was a separation there was like a, like oh here's the here's the book it it's done the art and it was like a little different than um at Oni Press at like every stage I would I would be seeing seeing art coming in seeing every uh bit of it and it was just kind of a different different process still awesome I mean I'm so happy with the result incredibly happy Sam's amazing but it was different seeing uh, seeing it go that way, you know. Yeah, I hadn't really had any preconceived ideas of how comics making went, like with collaborating with other people in a professional way. So yeah, like with Simon and Schuster, um, their process of making comics, like Matt was saying, is different from other more comics-focused publishers uh, that are maybe smaller and have smaller teams. Um, so yeah, it was like the script was done on the writer editor side and then it was kind of handed off uh, once that was done to like the more art director editor side. And yeah, it was just like me and them for, for a while there. Um, uh, so yeah, it was kind of an interesting learning experience. I don't know if it's gonna be different if I end up working with other publishers and figuring out what their process is like making comics, whether it's going to be more involved or more collaborative or, you know, things like that. So I'll kind of have to, to be flexible. Well, I know that I've, I've talked to some author illustrator teams uh, before, had the, had the good fortune to have them on. Check the back catalog, esteemed audience. They're, they're all amazing. Um, but they surprised me by telling me that the publisher wanted to keep them almost as though they're in separate rooms on a, maybe if they're in uh, one of them's in a soundproof room on a game show and the other one's working before they, they hear, they wanted to keep them separate, which um, I, I, I was told why they wanted to do that. It still didn't make sense to me. So I can't reiterate to you why that's a sensible thing to do. I just know that it's the thing that happens. Was yeah. that the case here? Were you guys going back and forth pretty much as, as you were comfortable doing? Well, um, we we had already had like a, we had already started the conversation and already started everything together. It wasn't like, yeah. like Simon and Schuster said, like Sam, will, Sam is who we think should be the artist. I had already yeah. started conversations with him. And by the time that we were making the book, I mean, that was like a, maybe a year into us knowing each other and having some back and forth. So we were not necessarily kept apart, but I was definitely not included in, um, in uh, the art side and he was definitely not included in emails on the 
writing side. That said, I still am telling him things. He still is, is yeah. Me on progress. Like we we were so they weren't keeping us in contact necessarily. Um, not not I think kind of trying to keep us apart, but it was like this is this person's job and this and what does Matt have to add to the art art part of it? So um, yeah. So yeah, we we still we still kept in contact, but not not like hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, there were some parts where I felt like something was being changed uh, based on notes. I was getting like a specific character's design, was getting a lot of notes. I think plenty. Yeah, uh, yeah, was getting a lot of notes from from my side, and I, I felt like Matt and I had really agreed on our original design. So I was letting him know, like, do you think that we should, you know, change her or because I really felt strongly about keeping her design like we originally planned. Um, so that was one thing where I was looping Matt into what was going on on my end, um, and as well. There were some other things I think that had come up uh, at various points, but that was just one example where um, I felt like something was being changed in a significant way that I wasn't, you know, th that I didn't agree with. And it would be, well, it would be wrong of me to want to exploit any potential conflict just because of <laughs> great podcasting. That would <laughs> Who would do that? I would never do that. But I assume because this is a creative endeavor, at some point, one of you must have had an idea for a character that the other one didn't 100% agree on. When you came to spots where you weren't, were, was there ever a spot where you weren't seeing eye to eye? And if so, how did you resolve it? Matt, you first. I don't think there was one. Not that no. I, I don't, I don't I think, think that no. anything that was... Uh, I, I like to certainly not be over controlling in designs and, yeah. and that stuff which i think leads to there not being conflict i think if i if i was like it's this way it's this way it's this way then obviously you get a robot doing a job and it's not the same but like i'm working with people because i like their work i like them so i want to i want us to work together and i've actually i can say i don't think i've had anything with really anyone i've worked with since maybe maybe like one person early, early on, but um, I don't know if anyone would have, would have been able to, to work with them. Um, but in general, I, I want to like, I want to make it, it's our book. I mean, it's, it's both of our names yeah. on there. So it's a giant uh, idea. Just like if you're getting a tattoo done, you don't, it's going to be way better if you like let someone go and give someone some room instead of do exactly this. If an artist has room to do what they want, you, it's always better. You know. Yeah, I really lucked out with Matt. Like he's very open uh, with giving, not just like here, do whatever you want. Like he gives some ideas for like, this is what I'd like the character to look like. And this is kind of like the aesthetic. Like there were some notes about here's what I want, like the lumberjack side of of the book to kind of look like. And here's what I'd like the vampire side of the book to look like. And I was kind of able to play with that. Um but at no point was he sort of like restrictive in how I should draw certain characters or how a certain scene should play out. Like he was very open and um, willing to sort of let me figure it out uh, from my end. And I, I was really glad for that. Like uh, since then I've worked with other people who have been a little bit more controlling and I've kind of buckled against that. Like, uh, it feels like they don't trust me as an artist when they do that, but I was really glad that Matt did trust trust me, even though I wasn't experienced, like I didn't have like a book to my name or whatever, but he still kind of trusted me in my own artistic sense to to figure it out and really liked the results, so. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to call those people out by name now and enhance them? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's not such a great. <laughs> so, so you you sit down and you um you design all the characters first before you start doing the actual panels, and you you both agree on this is what these characters are going to look like. Do I have that process right? Yeah, more or less. That there, uh, I did um 
like in in drawing the pitch pages, I would design like the mom and the dad and and Jackula first, and then as Matt would sort of develop the script, more characters would be introduced, and I would kind of come up with with a couple of sketches for what the character would look like. But um, yeah, we would sort of figure out what the characters would look like first before uh, nailing down like the panels and uh, things like that. So I would I would know what everything was supposed to look like um, before I'd start figuring out like what each page was gonna look like. And Matt, uh, did you have sketches that you were sending saying like, hey, this is what I'm seeing in my head, something like this, or would that be a huge overstep? Um, I think it's an overstep sometimes. I but then then again, I'm not, I'm not sure if I sent you anything for Jack. That's the only one I could think that I I would have, but I don't think I did. I think I just gave a a a written description. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't tend to not um not do that because I really feel like it it is an overstep unless it's a very specific this character like almost story elements of the character design that I that I would yeah. need to imply and was having a hard time with words but even <laughs> still I would send it along with the idea of um do your own do your own thing you know like like not a yeah. I, I believe with a book Martian Go Center like there was a design uh, somewhere along the way where I did that's one time that I drew and it came out completely completely different and I'm so glad it did because it's definitely better than what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was one one thing I remember was like the dad's bandmates needed to dress a certain way. Um, I don't remember the reference that you gave, but there was like a specific reference that I wasn't Lost familiar Boys. with. What, what was it? Boys? Lost Boys, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they had to look like a, like a hair metal band or something. <laughs> but, and that was something that I appreciated. I do like getting visual references from authors especially if they have something specific in mind. But um, I do like a little bit of flexibility. Like I, I, I think I do good character designs. I think I've practiced a lot with that. So I feel like I have a good sense of that. Um, and I really liked the freedom I had with designing a lot of the characters. I could kind of go off the wall with it. Um, there's like a sort of middle ground area between the vampire side and the lumberjack side where there's just sort of these like random fantasy creatures that sort of populate the world that um, mostly you'll see a lot of them in like the dance academy um, and I liked getting to sort of do a lot of fun random characters uh, in that in that space um, so I, I was able to, to sort of run the gamut on on fun characters and then um, I'm just curious to me something that, that made me laugh during the, the story is there's a, it's a throwaway line almost where dad is uh, taking Jack to lumberjack school and saying, relax, it's going to be fine. There might be some vampires there. And if there aren't, you could always make some more or something to that effect. <laughs> well, that does change things. Cause Jack does have the ability to just, <laughs> just, just yeah. take care and take the situation in hand. Everybody's vampires. Now we're done worrying about differences. <laughs> Not this one moment. <laughs> so things for to maybe consider for the sequel. I don't know. <laughs> much, much darker sequel. Much darker. <laughs> so once uh, once everybody is designed, then you've got to figure out the panels, and obviously the script is going to play a huge role in that. But visually, is um, there, there has to be some compromise because you've got to get the story done. You've got to get it in so many pages. But at the same time, if there's something that's, um, well, Matt, I'll, I'll leave this to you. Where do you decide where it's going to be resolved through the dialogue, through the story itself, and where it's maybe we need a bigger panel, we need something more on the on the art side that's going to tell the story more than more than words. So, so comic scripts are really funny. There is no, um, there's no like universal way, like in the same way that there is a screenplay that has a format that's really like you write screenplays the way you write screenplays that they're, they're very specific on it. But a comic script is really just like a letter from me to Sam and it's whatever works best for us. What I found, I tend to, I break down panels, but some people don't even do that. Like I'll, I'll break down how many panels there are on a page. And more often than not, it's close to that when it's done. Like there's times where it, it, it will ebb and flow because an artist realizes that there's another 
beat that's needed in there or another moment that that works better and I'm always I always want an artist to go that way and I don't think I've ever been like no it needs to be five panels uh when they're like oh seven would make tell this better but I think one thing that makes it so that I can break down these panels is a lot of times I have practiced drawing these things out I have looked at them and and looked at the reality of and I know when I'm asking someone I know when I'm asking someone like I know that I'm asking for nine panels where this much stuff happens in it. I realize how like how intense this will be to draw, but I also see how it could happen. Um, but yeah, I'm breaking down moments moments for page turn. Page turns are still really important in comics, much more so than you know a page turn in a book is is important. But a, a big visual page turn in a comic, there's so much that you can do with that. Um, kind of the king of that still I think is Brian K. Vaughan and the way he writes his scripts is like these like oh each page turn is like a it, it's propelling you forward um on it but um but yeah so I'll break down the panels um in a script I'll have the dialogue written in I'll send it to Sam and then he'll thumbnail and some some moving happens then that's when Sam's like hey, you tried to have him do like six things in this like one pan panel, like that can't actually happen. And we're like, oh, this needs to be expanded and we need to make it like, might even need two more pages to make this happen. That didn't happen in this book, but it's happened before yeah. with things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how, how I'm setting it up. I have a full script that is a page, the amount of panels, panels broken down, the dialogue within it, and then... I send it to Sam, and yeah, he takes over. <laughs> and Sam, do you have, uh, did you have moments where you're like, well, I could definitely do a better drawing here or more detailed drawing if there wasn't so much dang dialogue eating up the, the panel with this uh, word balloon? Uh, maybe we, we cut a line or, or did, were you able to make a suggestion like that? Or is that a huge overstep in the, in the other direction where, hey, cut a line so I can fit the full picture in? So when when I yeah when I was thumbnailing um, I didn't think a lot about dialogue at that stage like I was mostly thinking about how to sort of block out the action um, what's going to be the focus of this page um, Matt Matt was good about saying that that this panel on this page is important so it needs to be you know bigger than the other panels on the page because it's going to be the focus. Um, so I would try to keep that in mind. Um, and yeah, like Matt was saying, like occasionally I would say like this action needs to be broken down into more panels because um, it's going to be like confusing to show just on one panel. Um, but, you know, after sort of the more detailed pencil pages um, and like a, a dialogue pass, uh, the editor uh, would sort of work with with Matt, I guess, with figuring out like the action being described in the dialogue is already happening on the panel. So maybe we can cut out some of the, the extraneous verbiage or things like that to make more room for the art. Like we don't need it to, to say just what's going on at the panel because you're already seeing it visually. Um, so there were stages where that would happen in the editing process. Um, but yeah, it was all sort of new to me. Like I was, like, uh, like I was saying before, um, just the various stages of of thumbnailing, penciling, um, then nailing down like the black and white art, and then the dialogue uh, was all sort of a long, drawn out process where there would be multiple notes for like, do we need to make the the view here wider do i need to include more background details or there is is um jack's axe handle coming out consistently on the same side of his book bag uh, things like that i would sort of have to pay attention to um but uh yeah i think it was really a really uh useful learning process uh this go around gotcha. Uh, and so, um, well, I had another question, but I feel like I feel like we've covered it. I feel like anybody who's been listening to us at this point, if they want to get together and they want to make their own graphic novel, they're they're set. They've they've got the the process down. So, what's uh, what's next? Are there plans for Lumberjackula too, Matt? Um, I hope so. Don't know yet. I've certainly written up a pitch. Sam's drawn some characters for it. There's this kid like Frank Enstein 
who's in it, um, if we get to do it, who is like way too similar to Jack and there's a lot of trouble with like not being unique. Um, but we'll see, I don't really know yet with that. I'm also, you know, working on other pitches, have other books out. I have uh, two more books coming out in the next couple of years from, um, from Oni Press actually. Um, one's a, a auto bio um, and it has lots of like songs in it and guitar and it kind of a similar thing to Lumberjackula in these scenes that like the um, the feelings are worked out through song um, and then another book called Indoor Kid that will be out in 2024. <laughs> Things to look forward to and uh, if folks want to know more they can head to your website follow you where, where what's your website where people can find out more information about the projects as they come? Um, it's myname.com, uh, Matt Haggerty, H-E-A-G-E-R-T-Y.com. Um, and then also I'm the same on uh, Twitter. That's where I'm pretty active, even though, oh my, Twitter. I don't know why, I, why I'm on there <laughs> these days. Um, and uh, Instagram, uh, matt.haggerty. To doom scroll and make the dread and anxiety of the entire country your own. Oh, how nice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and Sam, what uh, other than uh, hopefully the, the Frankenstein spinoff, what have you got in the works? What's coming? Um, yeah, so I'm always, I'm doing a lot of uh, independent comics. Uh, I did a Kickstarter earlier this year for like a, an anthology magazine um, inspired by like manga and uh, Shonen Jump uh, called Star Tales, um, where Star Tales mag on twitter um and i got to work with a lot of cool people on there um and i'm also pretty active on twitter as well under my my name uh d sam owen on there so i'll be sharing lots of things that i'm working on there and i'm, I'm working on some pitches to send out hopefully um as well so yeah i would i would love to keep working on matt uh working with matt on on sequels or whatever else comes up <laughs> yeah there are also some incredible drawings and reimaginings of muppets yeah. uh, on, on your twitter yeah. account that, that that esteemed audience can look forward to seeing <laughs> yeah. lots of garfield as well yes i love garfield as as dune <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and esteemed audience knows i have to ask and i would never forget um matt we'll start with you have you ever seen a flying saucer and or a ghost um no i haven't seen a flying saucer um i hope i do i believe that i believe that these things are real i believe whether it is a flying saucer or something there's definitely something else out there um yes i feel like i have multiple times like felt the presence of a ghost i wouldn't say i have seen it but i feel like i have felt it i remember once like up at like maybe three in the morning with my son i was at a friend's house and i just felt this like just real chill envelopment and i don't know why but i really genuinely believe that that was a, a spirit and then uh the bar i used to work in there was like this one area where i was always like ah weird stuff's happening and i always felt there was just something there so i believe in all that i hope that that's real i like to i like to think that there's reality in there but no, uh, define weird stuff what was going on at this bar um stuff would always be be moved in the area you'd always hear noises but it was a it was basically a supply closet that that always every time that there was i'm not really explaining it well um there would just always be be oddness in there i guess i can't can't put a finger on it <laughs> I love the idea of um, you, you die and you come back, oh my god, there's life after death, and you haunt the supply closet. But for eternity, what? Can I have a book? <laughs> what am I going to do for it? <laughs> it's a sad, sad book. <laughs> I'd start rattling stuff and making ghostly noises too. Get me out of here. <laughs> Uh, and Sam, have you ever seen a flying saucer or a ghost? Um, no, I haven't seen either. Uh, I think um, I think it's possible that there's flying saucers, uh, but I haven't seen one yet. And as far as ghosts, um, maybe less likely than aliens, but but I'm I'm open to the possibility. 
Well, this question is going to be even more difficult. Um, what are some of your favorite graphic novels and why are they The Dark Knight Returns? No. What's, what's one or two of your most favorite graphic novels? I, I, I guess um, I really love uh, Scott Pilgrim. Like the whole Scott Pilgrim series was, was really a big turning point for me. Um, uh, why the Last Man uh, by Brian K. Vaughn was like the thing that got me like back and Pierre Guerrero um, got me back into comics um, along with Sweet Tooth uh, uh, by Jeff Lemire. That was like a really, those were like my really like brought me back in. Um, but then I also love like Vera Braskull's um, Be Prepared and Anya's Ghosts are, were really, really big for me. And I really like um, Raina Telgemeier, all of her stuff. Those are my, my kind of big ones recently. So sad when the Why the Last Man TV show uh, got canned for just a stupid reason. I guess it was a rights dispute uh, during the during the pandemic. Yeah, it, it 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 was it was fun, but I like like I have such a such a love for the original source source material that like I don't know what could have what adaptation would I would have liked. I think I just really not that I didn't like it, but I I the book is where is what was so special to me because I think it was also like at a time there's so much traveling in it and I at the time I lived in my town in Massachusetts we never we didn't go on vacations we didn't go to all these places so you get to see this these characters go everywhere and that was like a huge um huge thing for me I don't know why why but that book that book really hit me <laughs> uh, and Sam what uh what is your favorite graphic novels um yeah it's a really hard hard question to answer uh lately i've been reading a lot of um manga that are you know multiple volumes long um so that's where i get a lot of my inspiration from is a, a lot of black and white comics um so you know along those lines i'm always a fan of bone from jeff smith um, I'd like to draw something like that someday to be able to to draw like a black and white comic, not just because I'm lazy and I don't like the color, but, you know, I just like uh, black and white just as a medium. Um, so that's one that I always, always go back to for inspiration. We should point out the lumber jacula is incredibly bright and colorful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, and then uh, my, my final question for you, but thank, thank you both. Uh, this has been just an absolutely wonderful conversation. Uh, and you're going to write more books, if not Lumberjackula 2, Frankenstein, or something else, and come back. We'll do this again sometime. Uh, but for today, uh, my final question for you um, is if you could go back toward the start of your career, middle of your career, wherever it would be useful to you and give yourself some advice that would have made a significant difference for you and might make a significant difference for everyone who's watching or listening to us right now, uh, what would you tell yourself? And since we started with Matt, Sam, I'll, I'll ask you to go first this time. Um, yeah, so the, the advice that I would give is, is don't compare your career path to someone else's um, just because there's multiple circumstances that can affect where someone else is at in their career versus yours. And you kind of have to just focus on, on what's possible for you where you're at in that moment. So, you know, don't, don't compare your circumstances to others uh, is what I would say. And Matt? Um, I guess two things. One first thing is like, enjoy the little successes, enjoy the little yep. steps along the way. Like you, you got that, you got that book out, you finished a five page script, like make sure to enjoy instead of like head on, keep on going. I need to do that next thing, need to do that next thing. But also like, this is really important. And I feel like it needs to be reminded to everyone, like make sure that you're having fun and you're doing the yep. book you want to do. Cause I feel like it's so easy to be doing things and, and then fall into a, um, well, this, well, this will sell, or this will be what people want. And it never will be. I don't think it ever will be. If you don't, if you don't love it, and if you're not excited about it, I think it comes through. So do exactly the thing that you are excited about, because it is an art form. Uh, and hopefully people lean on to it. If they don't, that's okay. Yeah, uh, love the idea of the frustrated artist who's wondering why doesn't the audience I hold in contempt like this? I don't. 
Uh, gentlemen, thank you again. Uh, esteemed audience, uh, as always, for more interviews almost as good as this, um, head to middlegradeninja.com, download your free copy of Bannock and Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. It will change your life. And God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week. Thank you.